Hey man, welcome back. Thank you. Oh my god, it's been a week since we last spoke. No, I it's think. only been like 10 minutes. <laughs> 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 okay, so ladies and gentlemen, this is your host, uh, Bobby Rose. Welcome to the Music Talks podcast. And I still have my very good friend, Arman Malik, here with us. And, hey, yo. and we're co- continuing from our talk. From the last episode So in last episode If you missed it We were talking about What is jazz The different patterns of jazz The idea of Soloing The idea of Playing Different Different Melodic lines And so on And this week We're going to go into Deeper Musicological Topics Uh, Arman You ready for this? For another hour with me? (laughs) Yeah I'm good Alright You know I can always go long So last week we were talking about how jazz uh, differs based on different different topics, right? Uh, different places, mm-hmm. different topics, different places in the world, and you right. said like uh, the Japanese play jazz different than the Westerners, right? So is it right because we don't really understand the true concept of jazz? Because jazz actually grew up, what uh, was birthed from the idea that. You know, uh, African slaves were brought into the United States and in a place that right. uh, that was comprised of Italians and Africans and Creoles, like French people. Right. And the idea that it, it's more of, um, especially with blues, they are talking about their sorrows and their, their depressions and all. Is that why mm-hmm. there's differences in playing jazz? Do you think so? Um, yeah, pretty much. Um, like... I think to just put it in, put it shortly and sweetly, like bluntly, we will never understand the plight and the troubles and the oppression that that African-Americans go through, mm-hmm. um, especially when especially when it dates back to when they were slaves, when their ancestors were slaves. So pretty much music, pretty much the music we take, the music we um, take aesthetically, it is jazz. And culture and take like assimilating the like for for us as non Americans as non African Americans mm-hmm. as for us to assimilate their culture like in a way we're taking like taking what they've pretty much given to us um, the music how to go about practicing it and performing it and then yeah. introducing our own concepts it's it's going to be a totally like like contextual i mean contextually and socially it's going to be a different thing it'll never be what it'll never be what um the the original culture expresses yeah what 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 was intended mm-hmm. by the forefathers of jazz right you would say yep mm-hmm. now going on along that line do you think that it, it would have been possible if those same group of people minus the americans mm-hmm. if the same group of people right. went to another right. part of the world could the same thing have mm-hmm. happened? You think so? Like if, if it's again the Creoles and the Portuguese brought mm-hmm. the slaves to I don't know Sri Lanka, right? And mm-hmm. so there's a mixture of Portuguese, Sri Lankan, Creoles, and Africans. Would that be? Right. Would would that be considered like a, a different form of jazz without the taste of that American, um, I don't know that uh, Western side of the world? Are we taking um? Are we taking African? Um, African ethnicities into context as well. Yeah, yeah. 
in this context um it would be different because without that european element you would be witnessing a type of jazz that has not uh that has not seen western instruments like european instruments like the clarinet mm-hmm. or the trumpet or the trombone though those are all those are all american and those are all european inventions so without that it would be seen as a type of otherworldly as a as a world music sort of in oh. a sense to what bornean or bornean or traditional malay malay instruments are like yeah. so yeah it would it would be a totally different style it wouldn't be jazz because one the european element is essential in that you have to remember that um europe europe the europeans are what co- what colonized the entire world that's true and a lot of yeah and a lot of the global networks and a lot of the common instruments that we see a lot of the foundations that foundations in terms of instruments and how um how each country is governed essentially is based on that western template the template of western civilization so essentially yeah it would seem more remote than it would be com- than it would be widely available available if we were to see yeah. jazz sp- flourish in a different country other than america but yeah i, I was just thinking oh, uh what if the creoles the french descendants mm-hmm. the the people of europe that uh uh combined with uh the people of europe with descendants mm-hmm. Born of mixed blood with Africans, right? Creoles, the people right. of color. What if they weren't mm-hmm. weren't Americanized? Would it still would it still have happened? Uh, because I I'm, they... I'm trying to uh, wrap my head around the fact that that American view that that Western view is a very mm-hmm. prominent concept in the birthing of jazz, in the inception of jazz. Is it like um? Could you just repeat the question for me so I can better understand it? Ah uh, no, um, because you said like no Europeans, right? Because but in my question, mm-hmm. there are Europeans, and the Europeans aren't those, uh, ooh, ooh, sorry, Caucasian people from Europe. Mm. I'm talking about the Creoles mm-hmm. from Europe. So okay, that question. So you mean Creoles, as in before, basically, children of children of African and European descent. African slaves who had basically whose parents were African slaves in Europe, not in America, but yeah. really okay, yeah. those kind of and, and they and they okay. were taken to a different place, like I don't know Sri Lanka or somewhere else. Yeah, um, you'd need a lot of you'd need a lot of um Creoles in that sense for it to really get it on the right get to get it anywhere near the original timeline of um jazz in mm-hmm. a sense, uh, but let's see because you have to ima- you have to remember that not all creoles are proud of their african descent yeah yeah that's true it, well because, actually to because take it a step get, further i mm-hmm. i think they were like shamed by it like like, like they really shunned Pre- out their african dis- heritage mm. pretty much because mm-hmm. with that with with that side of your parentage um you wouldn't go that far in that in if we're talking like the if we're talking like 18th 19th century you'd ha- like the 19th century you'd have to you'd have more connections and you could go far in that climate through your european um european uh heritage 
like in terms of connecting connections and yeah. networking so for creoles to go to a remote pla- to go to a remotely different place like sri lanka i mean you can form jazz but then there's that there's also i guess there's another factor into thinking like why the heck would we do that cuz <laughs> you have to remember like why on earth would i would i inadvertently make a jazz style i mean you'd have to colonize sri lanka first yeah mm-hmm. and then you'd have to have a diaspora a diaspora of creoles mm-hmm. which it's hard unless like unless you're talking about a creole aristocracy where you have creole aristocrats yeah like of course you have like we're thinking 18th century you're thinking growing middle class mm. when you get to when you get to the 19th century business is booming with the industrial revolution yeah so in a way sri like any other place other than america like let's say sri lanka to a lesser extent um it can it can be a way in that timeline or in this alternate universe you would see you would see um sri lanka as a form of like sort of like a sort of out of third world status and somewhere into somewhere something somewhere between something like singapore mm, yeah it yeah would, it would, it would be yeah sri lanka would have been what singapore is today yeah in a sense so yeah that's that's the only way i can ever see something like uh, a a a what do you call that a carnation of jazz mm-hmm. in in that in this alternate universe yeah I, I, and i totally understand what you mean it's just that uh, i'm trying to gauge i'm trying to gauge if that americanness plays a big part because my follow up question is what do you think it looked like from a malaysian perspective because imagine if uh the, i don't know if you know this book by sarkisian it's about mm-hmm. the children of albuquerque you know that book mm-hmm. children of albuquerque no yeah. i've so I've the, yet to have heard of it. So there are children of, I mean, not direct children of Alfonso de Albuquerque, of uh, the mm-hmm. the the man that you know, the Portuguese people that colonized different parts of the world, and there was right. a whole book, and there was a whole chapter, I think, or a, a part of mm-hmm. a chapter that talks about the children of the Portuguese descendants in Malaysia, of course, in Malacca. And mm-hmm. and the obvious question that's that comes from that is, if let's say uh, the Portuguese combined with right. the Creoles, combined with the um, British that came to Malaysia, combined with the Japanese that came okay. to Malaysia, and Malaysians as well, would would there be another form of jazz? We, we won't call it jazz. It would definitely not be what jazz stands up to be. But is it because like mm. we are so non-westernized do you think so mm-hmm. yeah. i mean this is this is well, a what if oh. what if question of course it's just that uh okay yeah oh what if so are you saying that if Mal- if malaysia was formed through like through a, a population of mixed eurasians yes is that what you're saying yeah so you like take the malacca okay. port in the 16th, 17th century. Mm-hmm. But imagine if jazz happened mm-hmm. then instead of, you know, the 1900s, the late 1800s. Like, how... Wait, wait where do we pinpoint the timeline of then? Um, yeah, 1600s, 1700s. Like, during the oh, okay. heyday of Malacca's ports, like, being very bustling with 
with um, business and mixed heritage. Okay. Um, because yeah. essentially, you, if you if you okay. think about it, there's it's it's also a melting pot culture because that's where jazz came from, mm. right? Yeah. Right. But, that's true. Yes, New Orleans was a multi was a multi New Orleans was a multiple ethnicity culture. Mm-hmm. Um, what yeah, what we call rojat, we they call it gumbo. So <laughs> yeah. okay, in that sense, yeah, in that sense, if it were to happen during the during the gold the golden age of Malay Malayan colonization, um, Malaysian colonization, ooh yeah, it'll be a it'll be a typically a remote style of playing. Um, Jap the Japanese have their own thing going on. Yeah. I mean, you have to remember at this time period. Wouldn't the Japan if we're talking Japanese as an example? Wouldn't they be practicing closed door policy at the time, like just no one entering the country whatsoever? Oh no! I, I, Unless you're talking. Yeah, I I, I meant like uh, the Portuguese coming, and and then mm-hmm. you know like Parameswara and Malacca coming on, and then if mm-hmm. the music started from there, and then it grew with uh, the multiple invasions, and then the Japanese, and then the British, but but that music grew and grew and grew, because essentially. Oh that, yeah. Yeah. Um, I I guess you need I guess it'd be like if you're talking instrument wise, like it also has to it also has to depend on what instruments you know what instruments each culture would bring. If we're talking like the if we're talking the sixteen hundreds seventeen hundreds, like okay, so we're thinking sixteen hundreds. This is when the the this is where we're talking about the best place to be in. There are two there are two cities that are prominent in those periods. Had to be Vienna mm-hmm. and London. Yeah. So if you're talking if you're talking Portuguese, you probably still have, um, uh, God no like, like because because it was the Portuguese that brought the coron coronchong um that brought in the instruments that spurred on the coronchong tradition in Indonesia. Yeah, yeah. And then, I guess you'd have string instruments from Portugal. You'd also have string instruments from England because of because it was the Baroque period. And you and then you also have string mm, instruments from the Asian countries, from the movement of the Silk Road, all the way down south. Yep, mm. that's right. The Ar- yes, the Arabs, of course, because at that time, around the sixteen hundreds, that was also around the time where Islam had already um, permeated into mm-hmm. Malayan society. Mm-hmm. So, um, man, that that's that's gonna be like I can't imagine what kind of music would have come about but it would be like jazz but then in terms of improvising because if we're because being a slave because being slaves is not the same as being colonized let's that's true let's put that straight you don't have because because with jazz it's essentially a new it's a new culture that you make in a land unfamiliar to you Mm -hmm. as a colonizer the culture never goes away you can't forget your culture in a land that you're native to. Yeah. Your mm. roots are still stemmed in that land. E- yeah. Exactly. Uh-huh. So, yeah, it's it's essentially a different type of music where you are not the mu- you are not it's not music born from African slaves. It's born from in this alternate universe it's born from Mal- is born from Malaysian um Malaysian co- yeah, colonized Malaysians. Yeah, yeah. Essentially. Yeah. It's true. So yeah, it's so I guess you could say it's at the root of it. It's a completely different philosophy. That's that's very true. Yeah, didn't think about mm. that. 
Uh, one branch that I actually wanted to ask uh, about this topic is uh, I wrote this paper about code mixing. So um, I I work with a uh, very close uh linguistic students, linguistic student, and I discuss with her a lot about code mixing. And I also uh-huh. discuss this with my friend who actually did his dissertation in uh, cultural discourse, music as a cultural discourse, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I learned recently, and one of the questions that was asked me is like, "Can you hear that Malayness in Jimmy Boyle's playing compared to Jack T. Garden?" Because last week you were talking about uh, Soliano and Jimmy Ball, right? So we're we're mm-hmm. combining last week's discussion with this week's discussion. And mm-hmm. how, because the slavery didn't really happen here, it's more of a colonization. Now that we're going on this path, yeah, that is mm-hmm. that why that Malaysian sound is still apparent mm-hmm. in Jimmy Ball's play, even though, so because if there is nothing that you can write about, if you do a score analysis, mm-hmm. a harmonic analysis, right, you could possibly find some uh, anomalies in there, but you can't really pinpoint. Oh, this is the thing that makes it Asian or Malaysian. Uh, what do you think about that? Mm-hmm. As in finding certain um, traits that, as in finding certain musical ideas or just little blips that indicate um, that indicate a foreign culture or indicate sort of that link the music to sort of a cultural influence. Yeah, finding that uh, oh, okay. Malaysian characteristic in that jazz piece uh, for James and Jimmy mm. Boss. Playing. Jimmy Boss. Do we do we do we code mix? Um, yeah. Do we code mix? <laughs> that's a good. That's a good question as well. That's great. Do you mind um, if I just uh, expand a bit further on that one? Yeah, please, yeah. please. So, so that um, we can sharp. Yeah. Uh, my as you know, my research, uh, the music psychology side, talks a lot about how mm-hmm. music and linguistics come from the same part of the mm-hmm. brain. Not the exactly the same mm. part, but it's uh, around the same uh, cerebral cortex, and a lot of okay. people, uh, a lot of researchers, have uh, found that if you can't speak, you can't play music. Mm-hmm. I mean, like amusia leads right. to aphasia, and and vice versa. If you can't okay. play music, you can't fathom. You can't uh, differentiate pitch. Then you can't really speak that well. And the other side is, if you mm. can't speak that well, then you can't. So it's very so. In that sense, musicality is a language, and right. stemming to mm-hmm. what we talk about, what you said uh, just now, roja, right? right? There are such things. There are research papers that talks looks into uh, Manglish, Malaysian English, mm-hmm. or uh, English. Malay English. It's done in Singapore. Mm-hmm. If it's done in Singapore, it's Singlish. It's Singaporean English. It's English, right? But with uh, English that is met halfway by the mm-hmm. population, and the other half they fill it up with their own cultural norms. So that's the idea of quote right. mixing. At any time of the day, okay. if you ask me what is my favorite food, I would tell you my favorite food is sushi. I would tell you uh, I would like to have coffee, but I will always want ayam goreng. In my okay. head, fried chicken is KFC. But if we go to the mama, right. ayam goreng is ayam goreng. It's not goreng. fried If you know mm-hmm. what I mean, yeah. Yeah, man. So, in that sense, the code mixing would occur just because, uh, in, in Jimmy Ball's case, he fills mm-hmm. in the gaps based on his cultural identity. Do you think that's true? Okay. Um, well, I've never, to be fair, I haven't heard, I've never heard Jimmy Boyle. I mean, I've heard his summer's music, but not, not 
not memorably in my psyche mm-hmm. but i I'd, I'd agree that it's true um because one it's a lot of space and you have to fill that mm-hmm. and then when you're bear when you play music you're sort of bearing your soul or bearing what you're using everything like in your in your capacity and in your being to come up with music so it wouldn't escape it wouldn't escape him to have used like something that would have to use anything that was of malay malay influence mm-hmm. mm. i mean i like personally i've i've used i've i've had some malaysian or local influences in my improvisations i tend to do sort of like trills sort of like to simulate um how a surunai yeah, would yeah. play it would inflect a note like you know the melismatic um as the melismatic aspects of um surunai playing so mm-hmm. there's that and then there's like just yesterday i came up with a way of imitating the uh the little flicks and the little hammer-ons that sape players do oh no nice. so, yeah so it's interesting that that you've brought this up so and and i it can either be done on purpose or done um un um unintention unintentionally in the sense that what you hear like you can it's basically sound like you're basically translating sound conception that you hear mentally mm-hmm. when when you play music but yeah it can either you you you, you don't even have to know whether you, where you got it from you just happen to hear it all it takes is for music a certain music to be heard and listened to long enough in so that it it just is stored in the subconscious and when you play it and it and people like you play it because it sounds nice and then when people study and analyze it and they come back to you and say oh you've got this so and so kind of influence and then you're like really i didn't know that <laughs> yeah 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 and i i like when you say that it reminds me of a an interview that somebody had with a uh, Jacob Collier so people were asking him like mm-hmm. what's this chord you played this uh how did this melody move or oh, it moves like this why did you do mm-hmm. this um uh quarter i can't remember what it's called quarter semitone quarter tone downwards okay whatever. yeah and his oh, okay, okay okay yeah and his response was simply oh because you study the music i don't i just play whatever i i want to play because uh, there was this one video like he was like breaking down the semitone into like four different tones but it's still Oh, really... is this the is this the June Lee interviews? I I think so, yeah. The one that was Yeah, yeah, yeah. And informal. I've, I've seen it as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's interesting when you uh coming back to that question, like, it's interesting when you say that even you uh subconsciously would solo according to your roots because it just seeps out. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it just mm-hmm. sort of seeps right. out, and it seeps out. Yeah, would, would mm. do you think that uh, in a non-jazz perspective, would you think that mm-hmm. that's also why we speak differently from other people when we play classical pieces as well? The the most authentic level going on a Stockholm nineteen ninety six research of authenticity. The most authentic level, somebody can play a, a fugue. Bach's mm-hmm. fugue, right? It's a German player. Right. Oh, oh, okay, uh, a European right. player. Now, after that would right. be those uh, Caucasian descent, and then we're like one of the least, like all the way down there, because we don't know mm-hmm. what it's like to be at that um, 
I I don't want to even say elitist level because it's disgusting, but because okay. we speak right. very differently from them. So do you think that this okay. has like ties into what you were talking about? Just now? Because it just subconsciously, naturally comes to you, however you play. Oh, in terms of, are we talking about interpreting classical music in a sense, or are we like playing music in general? Because playing classical music, it's there's so, there's already like an established way of playing it, regardless of what culture you're from. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm talking about the mm. musicality, our code, our language, our musical code. Mm. It differs from okay. place to place just because of uh, our heritage. Hmm. Okay. Well, yeah, I I'd say it's different because um, one I don't yeah I don't think we're because there's not one there's not one um, music system that everyone adopts and even if there was I'm pretty sure there'll be departures, big or small from it, mm-hmm. and those differences can amount to a lot. Um, um, is that does that answer your question or should is there anything part of that? answer that i should expand <laughs> uh, uh it's totally up to you okay but that, yeah yeah but no it, it it does answer the question the, the the fact that okay it depends on actually uh the culture and it doesn't matter how much you actually lock it down how much you actually make it into a uh doctrine a quote-unquote doctrine mm-hmm. because yeah. even the best kind of music is written down you could still play mm-hmm. Claire de Lune might not even be about the Lady of the Moon. It could be a lady called Moon. It could mm. be the Lady by the Moon. It, it doesn't matter how it was written down, no matter how how like Claude Debussy will actually write down, okay, make sure you play this note specifically this way and these notes specifically with this tone. <laughs> you could still, you know, because that's the artistic expressive side mm. in music. Mm, that's true. Yeah. yeah essentially yeah if if you're writing if you're p- performing someone else's work um you will never pr- you will probably never get it as any closer to than to what the composer intended and for and there's a special time in music where um you still had composers that you learn composers that were living at the time of um musical recording because mm-hmm. i think i've heard because uh, i know because i believe people like um ravel I believe at the turn of the century when recording technology was coming together, mm. you had people like who were students of Liszt or who were students of Debussy or Ravel that were like, or even Stravinsky, people who were able to interpret the music like cor- like just purely and correctly simply because they were studying with those very same composers. Yeah. So like, I mean, with sheet music can only do so much in terms of communicating the concept and the idea of or the intentions of the composer but like the best the best anyone has ever come close to um replicating the composer's intentions was during that period when musicians were recording with the influence and with the overseeing of the composer themselves yeah it's like direct mm. mentorship right exactly and in uh relating to what you were saying about sheet music doesn't really i mean it plays a big part but me personally mm-hmm. i i still prefer um i can't remember what definition it was but music is like you know uh i think it was john blacking like uh organized sounds mm. 
that is played by a yep. presenter, but it has to be listened to by a listener. So, and as long as it's written down, mm-hmm. and it's not presented mm-hmm. by you and listened to by me or vice versa, mm-hmm. then mm-hmm. it's not music. It's just I don't know, a score. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just a score. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. You know, it's funny. I've heard I was there were. There was a time when during earlier this year I was reading um you heard of this book called uh, Effortless Mastery by Kenny Werner. Yes. Yeah, I think we talked yeah. about that. Yeah. He 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 his concept his concept about the musician serving as a like a musician isn't a musician and like where you say the musician isn't a musician unless he has a listener. The thing mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. he doesn't believe in that. <laughs> he actually thinks that the he actually like use draws parallels he draws an example where there is whereas think about going back to the first musician i mean obviously we'll never know if there were musicians bef- without listeners and i'm pretty sure there were like mm. in the sense that he was only like the the mu- he who plays for himself so mm. he himself is the player and the listener so like with no like let's say like cavemen you know cavemen drawings in a sense but for music so he wouldn't have any um any example or any standard to go up against because simply he was the he was the um progenitating standard he was the origin so yeah, he'd yeah. probably be he could simply say that he was the best <laughs> that, that's true in in that specific music that specific kind of music mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. i i guess it also follows the the philosophical question of if a tree falls in a in the forest and nobody's around to hear it did the tree actually fall you know if he ad- that's a that's a, <laughs> Sounds like a Dear Evan Hansen reference. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, uh, yeah, tagging along uh, <laughs> uh, in this topic. Like, if that person actually played music for himself and nobody was around uh-huh. to hear it, do we actually know that right. he played music, or did he? Oh just no, write music, which is a whole different conversation. I don't think we have unless unless <laughs> unless he wrote it in a diary to leave behind, and he said, "Yeah, I played." music i played i played a few sounds on my instrument at this certain time and yeah. place yeah <laughs> then the, yeah. heck yeah we've got we've got history <laughs> yeah that's true <laughs> all right so that's all the questions that uh i got for you uh what so going from going from here like what what do you think like everyone can do with all this information that you and i talked about we're talking about like what is jazz, the sociology of jazz, the ethnomusicological side of it, and the the conceptual nature of jazz. Like, what what do you think is the next step that uh, all the listeners can do, and even I can do, to improve okay. jazz? Okay, not just well, playing. In but terms jazz of itself. well, okay, um, well, like I said at in the last podcast, um, the jazz tradition is steeped in, um, in like is steeped in a lot of preparation the preparation stage so it's it's a lot of self-study it's sort of like a it's a fulfilling quest of knowledge and just cultural understanding i think if you pretty much so from here i guess you could say study the language as in okay study the history Mm -hmm. study your favorite players like at least study the ones you like to listen to um as uh preferably people from olden days like if it, whether it be Lee Morgan or Charlie Parker mm-hmm. or um, Miles Davis or even Sonny Rollins just go through that and then you go backwards so um, it's also best to go to jam sessions and just 
hang out, know what is wrong, address ad- address it with your fellow musicians, like for for them lest they lest they not know any better, <laughs> so that you know it it's gonna take it's gonna take years before you could get it culturally right. Maybe yeah. maybe will never be, but maybe that's maybe that's what's different or unique about Malaysian culture. Um, there's there's some there's you know there is no there is no knowledge without ignorance. Mm-hmm. That's true. Um, just as much as how there is l- there you there's no there's no significance in light without, without its absence. Mm-hmm. Mm. So okay, so that and then ethnomusicology. Yeah, studying this goes back to the history and how just just remembering how Europe how the whole culture of Europe has played such a domineering role in all facets of um worldly wor- yeah worldly subjects whether it's whether it's like um music or art is pretty much that was pretty much the template that we had no choice like colonization like you know the effects and what how it has shaped our society as yeah. as much of a bad thing as it was yeah. but here we are and then um yeah understanding different cultures i think there's a need for cultural empathy and oh, yeah. for for yeah for malaysians who boast who boast a multinational a multinational society a multi-ethnic multi-ethnic a multi-ethnic country and for a country like us who boast about being social like being racially um accepting and all that i think there's more there's a need for that it shouldn't be it shouldn't be just a slogan it shouldn't be lip service um <laughs> yeah and then uh jazz as a concept jazz as a concept i think it's pretty much it's pretty much a lot of understanding what like if i could just summarize everything that people should take from here it's understanding what came before it really it's really going back to looking to what came before like looking back to the past yeah and acknowledging and just reflecting on what we could do what you could do better so you really can't move forward unless you understand you unless you understand the history otherwise you are condemned to repeat it that's true mm. that's that's the i guess that's the that's the root of all historical research <laughs> of all historical uh uh learning so thank you so much buddy for being on the show again uh, you're most for welcome for the third time uh, <laughs> and sharing with us all your knowledge and I really hope that everything goes well with you on your on your performing oh, thank and you. your recording side thank and, you yeah ladies and gentlemen my name is Bobby Rose thank you so much for listening to the second part of the Jazz Talk with Amar Malik this is the Music Talks podcast and I'm your host and this is us signing off see you next time Thank you.